Kids, you are dismissed. You are able to go to your class today. Good morning, everyone. It is awesome to see you today. It is a great morning. It is beautiful out. It was great. We understand all of Revelation in the Bible study this morning. We're good to go. We know it all. Digging in. No, I hope you guys are having a great morning today. And uh, I am excited to, uh, to talk today to, with you about the, the lessons that we've been going over. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about the relationship between us and God and what does that look like and how does that all uh, work and we first started it was God's amazing all love for us and uh, I the reason why I keep going back to this is because we can't forget it it all starts there God's all power love for us and I know that's been a few weeks ago but do you feel like you've already like sort of like in the moment you're like I'm really paying attention I'm really doing it and then three weeks later it's like ah, I'm, I've sort of got I want to keep us in the awe of God, like the same God that came through with that storm and that power is the same God that's right out there right now. And it, it's and we need to continue to wrestle with that. And then it's us loving God. You know, how does that work? And then we spent some time knowing God. And so we're wrapping up today. The last little part in the, uh, the connection of us, the vertical God and us. What does that relationship look like? You know, and then the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the horizontal. How do we love others and disciple? And we're going to be talking about that. But today is about God knowing me. What does that deal with? God knowing me. Well, there's a couple of things that I think we need to uh, start, start with. And that's um, one, like God makes it pretty clear in Scripture a couple of times. One, that we are made in the image of God. But two, ever since this, uh, I would say, the fall, we are sinful. We are not perfect. I know some of us might think at times we are, but we aren't. We are sinful. We are in need of a Savior. And so we have to sort of know what, where we are in this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when we know this, we really know that in our lives, we've missed the mark. Missing the mark is any time that, you know, every time I think about this, and now I hope I Im Im embed it into your brain, is when we go to Target. We go to the store Target, and it's got the bullseye right there, Correct. And every time that you would like, I always imagine if I were to shoot a bow and arrow or something cool, like a flamethrower, I don't know, and I would miss the middle, I would be off, I, that's missing the mark. That's missing, I would have sinned. A lot of us, a lot of us like, and here's what's funny, you can miss by this much. Or you can miss by this much. Or you can miss by... Well, I could walk all the way out of here. Like, it doesn't matter how far you miss. If you miss the mark, you still miss the mark. We are humans that miss the mark a lot without a Savior. So, 
I, knowing me, I want to tell a little story about myself. I, as you can't tell, I use a lot of sports analogies. I'm sorry, but that's just somewhat, I'm a basketball guy, sports guy, but one sport that I, that I enjoy because I'm not really good at it uh, and I like the challenge is golf. All right? I like the game of golf. The goal of golf is not to have a high score. All the others, all the other games, basketball, football, you want the most points at the end. Golf, you do not. You want low score. You want it down low. And so let's just say when I first started out with golf, my competitiveness got the best of me. I would miss the mark. I would sometimes, like, even by myself, or if I was playing with my friends, like, oh, I'm behind a tree. Uh, just move that ball off a little bit. Just move it out. So now I, now I have a shot. Now I have it. Um, you know, I, I can't really remember how many shots it took, so put me down for a four when it was probably a seven. Like, all there's, I was missing the mark. And that's sometimes what we got. We got to realize, like, who we are before we can really realize what God is doing in our lives. Um, I also think that we also are really relational people. I think God wants us to be relational. We were not meant to be alone. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that love being much more by themselves than others. But there's an interesting like, story. I, I love this story because I think this just shows a little bit that we were meant to be in relationship with people. There is, I want to make London South uh, Beacon University has one of the quietest rooms in all of the world. It's a chamber that they build with styrofoam, and it basically makes uh, sound waves impossible to hear. Like People like have in, been in there after a while, start hearing their, their own heartbeat. They start feeling like they can hear like blood going through their veins. It's that silent of a room. People have been going insane like uh, as early as 30 minutes in that room by themselves. The longest person that's ever been in that room has been 92 minutes. That is the world record. Like that is like one movie. <laughs> and like, I'm out, I'm done. Like, like it starts messing with your head. I think that's why we are to be relational. I think that's another part of who we are. And we have to recognize that. Who's in our lives? Who's pouring into us? I think that's vitally important as well into starting to know me. I also think there's a couple of forms of communication that we also need to work with 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 God, and, our, and this is point number two, our forms of communication are, and we've gone over, are the Bible and a prayer. I think we have to continue, and I always want us to wrestle with this and always go back to that, is to know who we are, we have to know what the Bible says about who we are. Because I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of people telling us who we are. It's funny that we get a lot of, when we walk out of the checkout line, there's a lot of magazines saying, this is how you should be. And a lot of times I get really nervous because they're telling my little daughters how they should be, and that is a lie. It's wrong. And so where am I getting my resources to pour into them? 
Because the world, if you don't think the world is after them, then you, you don't know what game we're playing. Like they are. And prayer. I think prayer is, I, I've talked about it. We talked about silence prayer, but I want to make sure we get this in. Is It's not just silent. It is laying what you have on your heart at the throne. It's communication with him too. It is being silent at times and listening and instructing. But there are times where you, you can wail and not really make English words, but God knows your heart. And there are times where you need to communicate that and put it at God's feet. It's a part of God knowing you. Because what's so unique is he already knows these things, but he wants that relationship with you. And we're going to talk about that uh, through the Bible story today. Let's dig in. It's Matthew 25, 1 through 13. So if you have uh, the Bible, I'd love for you to get it out. If not, we will have it up here. It's not that long of a parable, but there is some, there is some reading, and I'm going to read it right now uh, to you. So Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm excited for God's word. At that time, the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took the lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all began, became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and, trim, uh, and trimming, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us, both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The, vir the virgins who had already went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. <clears throat> I'm going to do a, a, an overview, overview of this, and then we'll dig a little bit more into, uh, into it. It's the parable of the ten virgins is basically given the importance of being ready for Christ's return. Even if it takes longer than what we think. Like it might, it doesn't, we don't know. We don't know, but we need to be ready. So in the Jewish custom, there's a two-part time frame to this, Okay. So the first part is when the bridegroom and his friends go to the house. So they've made this arrangement. So they're going to get married. So usually the, uh, the groom, the man, that, uh, the man is, goes back, builds a pl uh, something on his house, builds it ready, and then he's going to go and get his bride. So he's going to come. He goes, and that's part one. All right? So he's doing that, does, his, does the ceremony, does the customs. And now part of the wedding ceremony 
is for the procession of him coming back to his house where there's a feast. All right? That's where the lamps are supposed to be. They're supposed to be. So he's already got his bride. He went and got, uh, the, went through the ceremony. He is now bringing her back. So that's where the ten virgins are supposed to be. As you can tell, five of them were foolish and five were not. They were not ready. So on this, the lamps would be considered like, I would say, the torches. Or the best description for me is tiki torches as they're ready with the oil as they're coming close. The story clearly shows that the 10, there were 10 women out there, right? They were ready. They probably, you know, they probably were dressed the part. They were probably, you know, looked the part. They were part of the group, but they forgot one important ingredient, the oil. I like it as Wearsby in his commentary puts it, puts it like this in this overarching story. He says, this suggests that not every professing Christian will enter heaven. For some really have not trusted Jesus Christ sincerely. One can have no true salvation without the spirit of God and the word of God. So if you look back at verse 12, and this is what really uh, stuck with me, it says, but he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. The, I'm just letting you know. So being known by God really, really matters. Being known matters. Okay? Being known by other people is important. But being known by God really, really matters. Let's dig into how we can be known by God. And what this sort of happens and, and how we can sort of implement this story into our lives. The first point I want to uh, uh, make out is that all ten, all ten virgin ladies waiting for them all fell asleep. Five didn't wake up, five weren't up, two weren't up, they all fell asleep. Okay? I think that uh, somewhat shows that we, we all make mistakes. There's always going to be, we're not all ready. One of, my, one of the stories that always uh, really messed with me is Jesus is asking his disciples, say, stay up and pray. And every time they, they fail, they, like, they kept falling asleep. But like, I'm like, is there something like we got to keep staying up? I like it because I'm a late night person. I can do this, Jesus. But there's like, they keep falling asleep and they're not, they're not at the same level. They need Jesus. They're there. They're not quite there. We, they don't quite get it all. None of us are perfect, but five of the women were prepared. Five of them knew their job. They knew what to do. They had their equipment. One of my friends, really good friends with me, we had a great conversation, and his name is Brad, and uh, he gave a quote that just really emphasized right here that I wanted to read. He says, we have to be careful when we talk about preparation and the gospel. We know that the gospel is not based on works, 
So there is no level of preparation that can make you more or less saved than you already are. We are saved by the grace through faith. However, your level of preparation is a direct indicator of the depth of your relationship with your Savior. If you truly love Him and worship Him and know that He's coming at an unexpected time, your attitude and behavior will be demonstrated through your preparedness and your actions. When my wife would go out and be gone before I had kids, she would go out and be like, hey, I'm going to visit my family or do this for a couple days. When I was at home, I could guarantee you stuff wasn't clean. I was watching TV, I was going to play hoops, and all of a sudden, and she says, I'm going to be home at 8 o'clock. You want to know what time I started cleaning up? 7.45, run around, trying to be prepared. Like, okay, she's coming home. I can't have it a disaster. Okay, you know that. Because you know what's expected. You know what really needs to be done. And then you know what time. The thing is, is you don't know what time God's coming back. Because it was different when I, she's like, yeah, I'll be back sometime tomorrow. All right, I got to keep somewhat, somewhat organized and clean. Like I'm still living life. I'm still doing things, but I also know what is expected. Because I don't want her coming home and the house is a disaster. I mean, like, welcome home. I think that leads to point number three. Don't take shortcuts. And the sense that I say that is, I think, I know I use a lot of marriage examples, but I think this really works in this setting of the, the marriage. How many times have you taken a shortcut in your own relationship? Relationships that you have. Maybe it's to your significant other. Maybe it's to someone else. I know right now, I, it's really hard because I know my wife loves me and she loves me and I love her and it, that's great. But if we never go on dates anymore, it's easier to sometimes rely on, hey, I'm going to take a shortcut. You know, like I got too much to do. I'm going to do this. And you're, you're hurting that relationship. I think a lot of times we can look like, Oh, I, I know I should call this person because they need it, but that means maybe I'm going to talk for 20 minutes, and I only want to talk for five. I think sometimes we take shortcuts in our lives a lot when we deal with the relationships. And the sad, sad truth is that I think we take even more shortcuts with Jesus because we know he loves us. You know, he died for us. We're sinners. You know, we're we're... we're we're already there. We know it. And we take shortcuts in our relationship. I don't think we're supposed to. I do not think we're supposed to take shortcuts because that's not being prepared. That's actually taking something for granted. Have you ever felt taken to, uh, uh, for granted? Like right now, most of you can think of times in your lives really quickly when someone took you for granted or said something that way. Those are not fond memories. How many times do you do that to the Lord? That is, that should sit with you. We can't do that. 
Point number four is every day walk with God. It's every day. I think what happens sometimes is this is where the oil becomes really important. It's like these ladies had one job. Their job was to be out there with the torches, the lamps, ready. That was their job. They had to do it, and they had to do it well. Five of them failed. And I think that's what happens when you start becoming lax every day. Where you start taking stuff for granted, and you start to go backwards, it's like, ah, take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't read today. doesn't mean God doesn't love you the same that he did not be read, but what you're starting to do is take shortcuts. You're not being prepared. You're starting to, to do your own thing. And what's starting to happen is, uh, I'm going to forget the oil. You know, I'm not going to be ready. I'm not going to be ready in this path. And I think what it is is small changes. I think sometimes we always think about these huge, big ordeals like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to just turn from the faith and I'm going to do that. Uh, we've talked about this much. I think Satan works in a lot more dangerous way and it's slowly getting you off track. It's the slow, slow, like I said, like all of a sudden now we have sports on Wednesday nights and Sundays and all of a sudden that fills your time. Not bad in and of themselves, but they just take you away. What are the shortcuts in your life? And this is something that I do love. I wish I could talk individually to each one of you about this, but only you and God know what that is. Only God and you know what that is in your own life, what your family's like. What are the shortcuts that you're taking? What is taking you from the everyday walk with God and being prepared with him? What does that look like? What are those things taking away? I think a major part of this, and I think this all wraps up into this too, is I think crisis shows who you really are. So now there's this crisis that happens because I love when, uh, when they basically yell that the bride and groom are coming. The bride and groom are coming. And then when they wake up from the, the sleep, when they wake up, they know that they're coming. There's a crisis. Because five of them don't have the oil. They're not prepared. They are not ready. And five are. I find it really interesting me and my wife, our relationship is great when we are in Florida on a beach just hanging out. You know, life is really nice when you're like on vacation, you know, when you're doing all that. Secret is that's not real life. It's a lot more difficult when I got a kid puking, one's late for school. Me and my wife haven't been on a date for five weeks, and then all of a sudden it's like the relationship's a little bit different there than here. 
And maybe you know it. You know it. Maybe someone in your family is just like, is not right with God and that hurts you. That it's there. There's a crisis there. How do you handle that? Maybe it's something you've said to someone else and it's strained the relationship. Whatever that crisis is, the crisis really shows where you're at in that relationship. I think it shows your much more of your true colors than when everything is really rosy and happy. This is showing who's prepared and who's not. This crisis of who, what's happening. They all knew that the bride and groom were coming. We all know Jesus is coming back. Amen? Like, we know that he's coming. Are we prepared? And then the greatest thing, too, is we have a job to do. Just like the ladies had a job to do. Our job is to love God, love people, and disciple. We're supposed to go out and do that. The question is, do you have your oil ready? What's your oil like in your own life? Do you, are you playing the five, girl, the five ladies that play the part, look the part, act the part, like, hey, I'm here, I'm ready. But when push comes to shove, when it is time, they're not prepared. They're not ready. We, as believers, need to be ready. I do believe God can work in miraculous ways. I know of stories of, of and you're going to see a video next week, of someone that is in the church of Satan and found God and his life radically changed. I believe that, and it's amazing. Can, uh, people that were on hard drugs and just turn their life around. Jesus works that way. But I also know Jesus works in small ways. Small life change. One of those changes is me now with golf. I don't cheat anymore. My life, but think about it. At a time of crisis, I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to you and works with you because he wants to know you and change you. He wants you to be more like him. And then at that moment, at that time, you get to decide. You get the opportunity. So for me, I know it's a little, golf is a little thing. No, God still works in me. If I know there's times where I've handled situations with my daughters improperly, and then I can tell, like, God's like, how'd you, why'd you handle it that way? You know, it's demoralizing, but I've also... I was also talking to my friend and saying, it's also a huge gift to know that God is still talking to me and correcting me. Because it'd be a lot more dangerous if I just felt that that was okay. That if I could move on. I'm asking you, like, live in that tension. Live in that. If God is talking to you, if God is doing, and with that golf all of a sudden, is that your integrity? No one else is out here, but I'm out here with you. Are you going to cheat? Are you going to score it wrong? Because that makes me a better man. Not because of what it's perceived by you, but because of who it is with him. I'm right with God. I'm righteous with him. Not because of what I did, but because I'm listening to him. I'm asking you to listen to what God is 
putting on your heart, the job that he's called you to do. We are all going to be at some point, and I don't know when that day is. Right now, I'd have no problem with Jesus coming. Let's do this, sucker. Like, let's do it. But that's my not, it's not his plan. It might be tomorrow. It might be the next day after that. But I'm asking us as people that want to follow. And if you aren't a follower right now, this is, gonna, this is a challenge to you. If you aren't following, I'm, I'm challenging you. You need to do the job well. Know your job and then be prepared in it. And that's why I just love this scripture so much. Because I think the scripture above all else tells us how to do our job well. Do you own up? Do you own up to your failings? Do you own up to your struggles? Do you own up to your shortcomings? So this week, I'm going to ask you, when you're in prayer, when you're time, pray for those times of correction. I can guarantee you when I feel the pain of like how I handle the situation poorly and God is correcting me, that is me getting my oil ready. That is the time where I'm being prepared and shaped by God. I'm asking you to be shaped by God throughout this rest of this week. Uh, as the worship team comes up to do their final song, I just want to talk to you a little bit. Also, we have now gone through just a little bit of the scripture. I've only been with you, what, five, six weeks. So just a little bit of the vertical relationship. And I'm really excited to continue those kind of conversations. But next week and the week after, I am so also ready to talk about the horizontal. That's how we love others properly and then how we disciple. But the reason why I want us to get this vertical so right is you can't do the horizontal unless you have the vertical right. Some of us are so more eager to like, hey, I want to, I love others, love this. I'm telling you, make sure you're right with God. Make sure that that, that is, is worked on. If you don't have the oil, get that worked on. If you're taking shortcuts, get that worked on. I know I'm echoing it, but it's so easy by 3 o'clock today to already be moved on to the next thing. Don't be moved on to the next thing. Take account and responsibility for what you have right now. And do that very, very well. Let's sing.